Hello, welcome to Syracuse Speaks, the view from the AHL, a Syracuse Crunch-centric podcast. I'm your host, Alex Ackerman. Let's get started. Believe it or not, Crunch fans, we are already less than two months away from NHL free agency. The free agency date for this summer, thanks to, you know, everything, has been moved to July 28th. But that means that as of this recording, which is the first full week in June, we are under two months away from that date. So this offseason is really going to go by really quickly, I think. And that's good because, as always, the Lightning have questions at pretty much every level of their organization for the upcoming 21-22 season, both for Syracuse and for themselves. So over the next couple of episodes, as I usually do every offseason, I'm going to take a look at the contract statuses of the players that affect the crunch and then what could affect the lightning depending on who gets re-signed, who doesn't, who might get called up, whatever, whatever, and just kind of take a look at how those things might shape up both for the fall, but also for free agency, because Syracuse is going to have a couple of gaps in their roster that fans, I'm sure, will be hoping the Lightning will fill, and the Lightning is going to have some things that they're going to have to clean up. In this episode, I am going to talk about the big questions for the Syracuse Crunch and potentially for the Lightning. Who has a contract that's up? Who are the restricted free agents who might not get brought back? Though questions that are pretty big in every fan's mind as they look towards that NHL free agency date. So starting off right off the bat, we are going to begin with the blue line. And we're going to do that because I think the biggest question for the crunch looms over Syracuse's blue line. Current Syracuse captain Luke Wachowski will be an unrestricted free agent starting with July 28th unless he is re-signed before then. Now, as far as re-signings go with some of these guys, the Lightning generally doesn't make those kinds of moves during their playoffs. We've been in this holding pattern before. The Lightning are focused on them, completely understandable. To be honest, it makes little difference if Wachowski is re-signed tomorrow or if he's re-signed two weeks from now or sometime next month. If the Lightning is going to re-sign him, they will. And whether it happens when Crunch fans want it to or not, you know, They have their own playoffs to focus on, and it's totally understandable that that's happening. The question, of course, is will Wachowski be re-signed? And to be honest with you, I don't know. He's 31 years old. That's generally, as far as a captaincy goes with your AHL team, you you know, he's, he's right around that age where guys usually are. Is he an effective defenseman, or at least as effective as he was when he first started out his career? No. But he's older, and throughout his career, because of the choices that he's made and the choices that, in some instances, were made for him, his career kind of took a different trajectory than it did when he was originally with Syracuse. He always had that physical edge with the crunch back in 2013, 14, 15, 16, whatever, But when he reached the NHL, he really became a thug. And that was the role that he was expected to take on, both with the Lightning and with Detroit. And that was the role he played. And for whatever reason, that was what happened. So has that affected his ability to maybe be as sharp of a blue liner as he used to be? 
I kind of think so, but that's just my opinion. I don't think that he has a future with the Lightning when it comes to NHL time. So as always with these guys, you know, we kind of faced this question with Mike Angelidis a couple years ago. We faced this question with Gabriel Dumont a couple seasons ago. If they're still looking at their closing NHL window and they're still looking for an organization that might give them that one last call up, that one last chance to either stick or make a mark or whatever, Tampa's probably not the place to do it for Wikowski. So it'll be interesting to see what happens, you know, but for right now, he's going to be an unrestricted free agent on July 28th, which means Syracuse has two problems. One problem, that's a lot of experience to lose on your blue line. That is a veteran leader in the dressing room that was chosen for captain of the team. So it's assumed that the coaching staff respects him. The players respect him. Obviously, this past season as a captain, we really didn't get to judge anything because nothing was normal and the, everything was made up and the points didn't matter anyways. So it's it's kind of a weird time, I'm sure, for him and his family. He has a young family. It, that's a big choice to make. It's going to be interesting to see what happens there. Personally, my feeling is that he's probably moving on after this season, but I have been so wrong about these kinds of feelings in the past that you know me in speculation. I don't necessarily like it. I'm not very good at it usually. I think Ross Colton has been my most recent and probably biggest success to date. But other than that, my, my speculation on, on any of these things is generally not good. The facts are, as of right now, July 28th, he will be an unrestricted free agent. Joining him as an unrestricted free agent is someone who's I'm only mentioning because I was thrown by his presence on the Lightning's Cap Friendly page. And I'm sure other fans might be too if they look. Brian Lashoff was the player that was thrown in with that weird trade that happened when the Lightning was trying to clear cap space. And he was the captain of the Grand Rapids Griffins. He was allowed to just remain with them, but technically part of his salary or all of it or something is still on the Lightning's cap. But regardless, that'll come off after this season anyway. So I only mention Lashoff because if you're checking out the Cap Friendly page for the Lightning and you see him, you will probably be as confused as I initially was because, to be honest with you, the 2021 season kind of feels like a fever dream at this point in time. The events of that season don't really seem like they actually happened. So, and maybe that's just because I'm a teacher in New York State in June. And for those of you who have gone to school in New York State, you you know what that means. I know there are other states and people who might be listening whose kids are already out for the summer. That is not the case in New York. We are still teaching, and we are still in person in my building, and we're all wearing masks, and we're still following cleaning protocols craziness, and it's a lot right now. (laughs) So it could just be that, you know, I'm just in the middle of one giant fever dream, and that maybe I'm the only one for whom 2021 felt very strange and almost unreal But it was real. That trade did happen. Lashoff will come come off of the Lightning's cap after this season. Also on the blue line that could affect Syracuse, depending on how things go, Luke Shen, as of right now, is an unrestricted free agent. Ben Thomas, as of right now, is an unrestricted free agent. 
And Andreas Borgman, who actually spent more time in a Syracuse uniform in 2021 than he did in a Lightning uniform in 2021, is also an unrestricted free agent. So those defensemen will be guys that, again, you're looking at veteran leadership here. You're looking at guys who are in their middle to late 20s, early 30s. Shen is 31. Ben Thomas is 25. Borgman is 25. So you're looking at a lot of invaluable experience here that Syracuse got to take advantage of during this crazy season with taxi squads and everything else that was going on. Whether or not those players are re-signed and whether or not they actually end up back with Syracuse is going to be a really big question for the crunch. You know, Ben Thomas has burned through his entry-level contract and then his show-me season, but he also ended up getting his first call-up and did okay for a guy that in his position. Whether the Lightning will be interested in him or not, I, your guess is as probably good as mine. Uh, Shen, I like him a lot. I like what he brings, but most of the analysis, especially from the Lightning's most recent playoff games that Shen has gotten into, is that he kind of looks a little green and out of place out there. So, again, if he's a guy that's looking at that NHL window, the Lightning might not be the best place for him. And obviously, he too has to think about his future and what's going on there. So I like him. Will he stick around? Mm, eh. I don't know. David Savard, who is currently playing for the Lightning at defense, he was hurt there for a little while, but I think he got into the game the other night. He is also an unrestricted free agent. He was acquired during a trade. I'm not sure what the Lightning's plans are there, whether they're going to keep him around or not. But, you know, really the only way that affects Syracuse is that if he isn't re-signed, it opens up another hole that a guy like Cal Foote, who the Lightning called up and then capped this past season, might end up filling. So who that person might be is a really good question. And I'm not going to lie to you, the options are a little on the thin side. So how the Lightning is going to handle the blue line this offseason is going to be really fascinating to keep an eye on because there's not a lot of options in the organization beyond who the Lightning already have up with them, the Cal Foots, the Ben Thomases, the Andres Borgmans. That's... So it's going to be, this is rough, and it's going to be interesting to see how they juggle everything this upcoming offseason to kind of fix the blue line both for themselves and for Syracuse. So, you know, we'll see. Moving on to goalies, we actually don't need to cover goalies because goalie contracts, for once, are fairly set. The only question right now that Syracuse really has on the goalies is whether the Lightning is going to go with two rookies in Hugo Enefelt and Amir Mifkatkov. We'll we'll pretend I didn't stumble over that, who are 20 and 21 respectively and have never played in the AHL before. Or if Spencer Martin, whom the Lightning re-signed this past season, for another season and whom many people are guessing was re-signed so that he could be exposed in the expansion draft 
because there's, you know, a new team coming in. And so we need to have another expansion expansion draft with Seattle joining the NHL. So the, the logic there is that that's why he was re-signed. And then if he isn't taken, they'll put him somewhere. Either they'll keep him to back up Andre Vavileski because um, Curtis McElhinney and Christopher Gibson are both unrestricted free agents this offseason. So they could be let go, and then Spencer Martin could back up Vavileski in the NHL. Or they could send him to Syracuse, send one of the two rookies down to the ECHL, and then we can go from there. How that kind of musical chair situation works out is really the only question fans have as far as the goal situation goes. Of course, the Lightning could completely surprise us all and go out and sign a different veteran in the offseason and then have more goalies than they know what to do with. When it comes to the goaltending positions, especially in the organization, I've given up trying to figure out what's going to happen. I'm just laying it out. This is what we got. McElhinney, Gibson, Dunn. Martin sticking around, two children waiting in the wings, and somehow it all just has to fall around Vasilevsky because obviously he's the the big cat, so the, so to speak, in this situation. So really, that's pretty much what we're looking at in goaltending. Before I move on to forwards, I am just noticing that I forgot that Sean Day on Syracuse's blue line is going to be a restricted free agent coming up this summer. So my guess is especially how after how he picked it up at the end of the season. For those of you who read my end of the year review over at the Sinbin, you'll note that I talked very positively about Sean Day. And I think I talked about it on this podcast too, because Day was someone who a lot of people were actually pretty disappointed in the season he was having, but then he really picked it up and he ended up having a career season over that short period of time. So My guess is he'll be brought back just because, you know, the Lightning grabbed him for a reason and they're going to be able to get him cheap. And considering Syracuse's defense is looking a little on the slim side, he'd be a known option for the team to have. Now, maybe there's some prospects waiting out there. I really don't know. But right now, you know, what we do know about the blue line is looking very young. So it will be interesting to see where that goes. So moving on to the forward side of things, the only UFA that the crunch really has that is probably going to affect them is um, Boo Nieves, who is a gentleman that the Lightning signed. And I believe he was, was he the local kid? Yeah, he was the local kid. So he was a he's a native of Baldwinsville, New York. Yes, okay. Sorry, he didn't play this past season, if you remember, at least not much. So I forgot kind of his whole story. So he's native of Baldwinsville, New York. He was signed by the Lightning, and he is from the Rangers affiliate. But he spent almost the entire season, if not the entirety of the 2021 season, injured. So fans really didn't get to cheer for him. Fans really didn't get to see him play. And yeah, he didn't make it into any games this past season, at least according to elite prospects. So the Lightning might want to see what he can actually do as long as whatever injured him isn't too serious and isn't going to be a lingering thing. He would be a cheap option if they wanted to bring him back and they could always kind of 
you know, shift them around if necessary. But other than that, Syracuse doesn't have any unrestricted free agents at forward that saw a lot of time with the crunch this past season. Jamel Smith will be an unrestricted free agent on the lightning side of things. I like him a lot. I think it would be great if he was re-signed by the organization. But again, if he is someone who's looking for that NHL time, I'm not convinced the lightning is going to be his best option. Barclay Goodrow and Blake Coleman up with Tampa are also going to be unrestricted free agents. And the only questions there, if they let them go, are, okay, who from Syracuse is going to have to be shifted around? Now, that question could very well answer itself when we go over to our restricted free agents, because in that group, we have Boris Kachuk, Taylor Radish, and Alex Barre-Boulay. There's also Ross Colton. So, I mean, if you're talking about which guys are going to replace Jamel Smith, Blake Coleman and Barclay Goodrow, uh, there's a there's a quartet there that's probably pretty ready for a full NHL season at this point in time. I think that Kachuk and Radish have shown this past season with the heights that they managed to reach that they're probably ready. They're, they probably need to get their chance soon. Barry Boulay, I have a feeling, will be up for the majority of next season, and I don't think Colton is coming back. I, I don't think he needs to, and I don't think he's going to. So, you know, when you're looking at that side of things, that's probably what we're going to be seeing here in Syracuse. Now, hmm, that opens up a lot of space on the Crunch's roster. And in addition, Syracuse also has Ryan Lowen and Otto Sampi as RFAs this upcoming season. Lowen was in the final season of his ELC this past season. So, Chances are the Lightning will give him one more year. Usually they do do that. And he'll, again, he's not going to be that expensive. They'll probably give it to him. Otto Sampi, had he not had the season that he had, I probably would say that we've seen the last of him, and I'd probably say that fairly confidently. However, he had the season that he had. So I'm going to go out on a limb and say that Sampi will be brought back, that they will offer him a contract and that he will accept and he will be brought back. Will he find the same success next season with different line mates, especially if Radish and Kachuk do make the NHL and do stick with the Lightning? Who knows? I mean, but we didn't expect him to have the season that he had this past season. So, you know, it'll be interesting to see, but... Those are really the biggest questions facing Syracuse when it comes to actual names and bodies on the roster and on the team. Now, the other big question that I have is one that I've kind of alluded to a couple of times. I'm looking at the ages of the guys that are currently under contract for Syracuse next season. 20, 22, 21, 22, 23, 21, 20, 24, 23, 23, 22, 21, hmm, 20, 21. That's a little worrisome. That's a really young team. There are AHL veterans out there. In fact, some of them didn't get jobs this past season because roster spots were so tight that will be looking to find homes. 
So I am sure that the Lightning will do their due diligence and find some 25 to 30-year-old players that will fit into these slots and will come to Syracuse and provide that veteran leadership. But as of right now, the crunch is looking very young. And how much that will change over the coming months is definitely going to be something to keep an eye on as we move forward. We are going to see a return of a segment that I haven't actually had to do in a really long time, just simply because we've had other things to talk about. The 2021 season was definitely interesting and gave plenty of great topics to discuss on a podcast like this, so I really didn't have to reach too far for content over the last couple of months. But as we're heading into an offseason that at least for the next couple of weeks is probably going to be pretty quiet, especially considering the fact that we're used to NHL free agency starting on July 1st instead of July 28th. You know, it's going to be a little different. So the next couple of weeks are probably going to be quiet as the Lightning continues their playoff push and, and as Syracuse sort of regroups from the weird season that we just had. So I've decided for this episode to bring back my Jersey series where I have been talking about my game-worn jersey collection and the various jerseys that are in my collection, their stories, why I wanted them, how I got them, etc. I think, and I have to recheck my list, but I'm pretty sure that there's only two jerseys left, so far anyways, that I haven't had a chance to talk about yet. And considering the date right now, I am recording this on June 8th. It'll be posted to all platforms on June 9th and it will go up on the Sinbin on June 10th. I've decided to talk about my Gabriel Dumont jersey from the 2017 Calder Cup final round against the Grand Rapids Griffins. So this series is hard to talk about in a lot of ways, and in a lot of ways it's easy to talk about. It's easy to talk about because of the team Syracuse had that season. I have discussed in the past with guests and also just with talking to you all that the 2016-17 crunch was probably my favorite team of all time. It doesn't necessarily have my favorite players, plural maybe, of all time, but as a group, as a team of guys, The 2016-17 team is probably my favorite. I think that they were one of the most well-rounded teams that fans have gotten a chance to see in Syracuse, at least in my memory. I think that the caliber of people that were on the team that season, especially later on in the season when the roster really started to solidify and guys like Mike McKenna joined the team. Eric Condra really kind of stepped into a leadership role that he had kind of been doing already, but it was made official in the middle of March. Daniel Walcott, I think, really started to come into his own this season, both in terms of playing ability, but also in terms of community familiarity. Walcott's antics during the lip sync videos were really endearing to a lot of the fans. 
And I think that this was the season where fans really got to know him and really got to know other guys too, like Krister's Gudlevskis and Corey Conacher and just all of these names that I'm saying. And you can probably hear it in my voice that I have a pretty big smile right now because there's a lot of great memories with that team. And as always, those memories come with an asterisk that basically says didn't win the cup, which I could talk about for a long time, but I won't because that's not what this is about. That 16-17 team meant a lot to the fans. It meant a lot to the history of the team. And I think that, you know, when when fans look back in 10 or 20 years, that team is still going to be really high on the list of groups that everybody just really liked and remembered, not only for what they achieved, but just because of who they were. Dumont was one of those guys, and he was kind of a surprise guy for me. He was someone that, to be honest, I really wasn't paying that much attention to until the playoffs. It wasn't that I didn't like him. It wasn't that I didn't find value in what he brought to the team. But there were just other names. Again, McKenna. I was thrilled when McKenna was traded to Syracuse. He was someone who I always wanted to see in a crunch jersey. And, you know, it was amazing. And obviously, Gudlevskis, those of you who who remember my days when I used to talk about a guy named Skittles on Twitter, that that gentleman was Christers Gudlevskis. Um, don't ask about that. I don't it, – anyways – You know, there were other people on that team that I was just paying attention to more. Dumont captured my attention during the playoffs. And I think for a lot of people in Syracuse, it started with a game that I recently broke down with Scott Thomas, who was the Syracuse Crunch's photographer, and still is, I shouldn't say was, but he was the photographer who shot that game. That goal that Dumont scored in overtime against St. John's that sent Syracuse on to the second round of the playoffs was so electric and so good. And the celebration afterwards was so amazing that it just, it it grabbed my attention and it demanded my attention. And once I gave Dumont my attention, he never really let it go. He, it's funny because I, some of you have seen my picture collage that I have from that season. I took photos that Scott had taken and I printed out a lot of them and I kind of put them into a collage with the messages that the team had the players write to the fans and they posted those all on their social media accounts. And so I saved those and I put them out into this collage. And originally, I just picked pictures that represented moments that were meaningful. There's a Matt Taramina goal there. There's a picture of the scoreboard from Game 5 of that series against Grand Rapids in the finals where Syracuse was so dominant and and won over them 5-1. to There's just a lot of moments from those four rounds that meant a lot to me. And as I started to put the collage together, I realized that a lot of the pictures featured Gabriel Dumont. Again, it was just this weird thing that, like, kind of snuck up on me. And so I knew I wanted a jersey – from the finals. I have a a jersey from the first time Syracuse was in the finals in 2013. It's Matt Taramina's jersey from that series. 
I've already done a, a podcast episode on that particular jersey. So I knew I wanted one from this round as well. And so a lot of the times when it comes to this stuff, I tend to have more luck with eBay. The American Hockey League actually gets a fair share of these jerseys during the playoffs, and they put them up in their store on eBay. And so that's where my playoff jerseys have mostly come from, is the actual league and not the team. The story of of winning this jersey is really kind of odd because the the timing for when this jersey ended, when the bidding ended on eBay, was not great. This particular jersey was from game one of the 2017 final round. And Syracuse did not have home ice, so the majority of the team's games were played in white jerseys because, of course, the change that happens halfway through the season. So home jerseys are blue, away jerseys are white. So this, this jersey is from game one of that series. Unfortunately, Syracuse lost that game 3-2. to two, But the bidding for the jersey ended in the middle of game six, <laughs> which I was in Grand Rapids for because I wholly believed that Syracuse could win this series. So I, with my friends, traveled to Grand Rapids assuming that we were going to be seeing two hockey games. Unfortunately, we only got to see one. But so I'm sitting in the in the stands in the middle of game 6 trying to watch the game, but also having my phone open in front of me to make sure that no one outbids me on this jersey. And those of you who know me as well also know that I hate having to bid on jerseys. And I hate it. I hate this process. I hate it. I hate it. I hate it. I hate it. I hate it because it's so stressful. And to be honest with you, I kind of feel like the only reason why I was able to handle this this process was because I was already hyped up from being at this game. And so it was just like, whatever, this is just what I'm doing. So I'm staring at my phone. I'm staring at my phone. I'm staring at my phone. I want to win this jersey. And in the middle of the game, the bidding ends, and sure enough, thank God, my bid was the winning bid on the jersey. So the jersey was mine, and I love it. I have to admit, I think it's probably one of my favorites. Just And, and I've, I've probably said that before, too. Somebody, somebody who's really just bored, tally up how many times I have said that this jersey is one of my favorites, but it really is. Because, yes, it's Dumont's jersey, you know, and I really did come to appreciate him. And I came to appreciate him even more as the Crunch's captain, I think, what, two seasons later. It was a great jersey to get, but it was also a great jersey to get because it represented that team. It represented the memories. It represented the lip sync videos that I still go back to and watch, by the way. You know, I think probably I'm not the only one. It represented just so much joy and surprise and fun. It, it represented probably some of the best that this league has to offer its fans. And I'm really proud and I'm really happy to have it as part of my collection. I think that will do it for this week's episode, so I want to thank you all so much for listening. 
I'm Alex Ackerman. I'm the host and creator of this podcast, and my social media is always open to anybody who wants to come follow me or wants to give any kind of feedback or ask questions. My personal Twitter is at Alovimo, A-L-L-O-V-I-M-O, and my hockey handle is over at Sinbin Crunch. I would also like to thank Kevin McLeod and Purple Planet Music for the royalty-free tracks that were heard throughout this podcast. I hope you all have a wonderful week or two until I see you again. Take care of each other out there in Crunchland, and I'll talk to you soon.